We're podcasting from the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services. I'm Public Affairs Officer Taylor Henry, and I'm talking today with Pat Hayes, the archivist for the Redemptorists based in Philadelphia. Welcome. Thank you for having me. And you have just edited a book called The Civil War Diary of Father James Sheeran. Father Sheeran was a chaplain in the Confederate Army, correct? Right, for the 14th Louisiana. Tell us about this book. Uh, The book is literally over 150 years in the making. Um, It's been cared for uh, over these uh, several decades uh, by the Redemptorist Fathers in their archive. It's uh, two volumes, uh, about 1,600 pages in total. Um, but now the Catholic University of America Press has published the entire diary, and we're very happy about it. Who was Father James Sheeran? Father Sheeran uh, was a County Longford, Ireland native um, who immigrated to, the, uh, to North America at age 12. We think he was born either in 1817 or 1819. The dates are uh, somewhat um, hard to pin down. Father Sheeran's um, immediate experiences as an immigrant were to work uh, in order to support himself. Uh, And eventually he met uh, a woman in New York City named Margaret, and they married. They had three children um, in the course of their union. Um, By the time they arrived in Michigan and settled there, uh, all three children were baptized uh, in the local church in Monroe. The, um, the Redemptorist Fathers had the parish uh, as well as a small school. And so Sheeran, as a, as a young man, um, not only insisted that his children get a Catholic education, he was a, uh, a real supporter of Catholic education at a time when know-nothingism in Michigan was kind of rampant. This enabled uh, Sheeran, or really ignited his Irish fire, um, to push back uh, and to be an advocate for Catholic education. So let me interrupt you there. We're talking when, 1840s, 1850s? This is uh, uh, late 1830s, um, early 1840s. Uh, the Catholic school question was, uh, was really fraught. Um, parish priests were kind of under the, uh, the impression that they had to build a Catholic school. And in, in point of fact, more often than not, the school came before the, the parish itself. And the know-nothings refresh our memory about them. They were an anti-Catholic group? Yeah. Um, at some point, their, their political leanings uh, formed around um, anti-immigration. But because the Irish and Germans were flocking to the United States from Europe, uh, and a good number of these people were Catholic, it became uh, not just an anti-immigration movement, it was also an anti-Catholic movement. So Father Sheeran is married with three children. How did he become a priest? Well, an unfortunate set of circumstances. His uh, youngest boy died in infancy. Um, his wife, unfortunately, Uh, also passed away, probably from tuberculosis. And so here he is caring for two 
minor children, uh, a boy and a girl. So he placed the boy uh, at St. Vincent's in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, um, where, unfortunately, he died. Uh, the daughter, the eldest child, was placed with the um, Sister Servants of the Immaculate Heart of Mary in their convent in Monroe, Michigan. The, uh, the sisters um, took in this uh, very young girl, she's still a teenager, uh, placed her in the novitiate, and eventually missioned her to uh, one of their schools in, in Pennsylvania. Within three years, she had passed away. So now Father, uh, or actually Mr. Sheeran, had um, his three children expire, his wife uh, expire within uh, 10 years of their marriage. And this, in effect, freed him up for priestly service. So fast forward us to the Civil War. Where was Father Sheeran when the Civil War broke out? I assume by then he was uh, an ordained priest with the Redemptorists. Right, right? he was. Eventually, um, Father Sheeran uh, had uh, a couple of assignments, but just prior to the war, his, uh, his station was at St. Mary's in St. Alphonsus in the Irish Channel in New Orleans. St. Mary's was the German church. St. Alphonsus was the Irish church. He and Father Duffy had control of the Irish church, and all of the German fathers um, had control of St. Mary's, but they all lived together under the same roof. Um, Father Sheeran had a, a certain proclivity toward um, his, his uh, native comrades. He had a hard time living with his German confreres. So when the opportunity to volunteer as a chaplain came up, he was the first in line. He recommended himself to the provincial who granted permission for him to become chaplain to the 14th Louisiana. And this diary is all about his life, but a lot of it is about his war experiences. Well, we've included uh, a vocational autobiography as an appendix. So you get to see just how he became a priest from his early days um, right up to the point of his profession. But the bulk of the book, uh, about 600 pages worth, is the diary itself. And what does he tell about the war? Well, there are a few episodes that stick out for me. Um, the first has to do with uh, a kind of spiking the football moment um, after the Second Battle of Manassas. And he was at the Second Battle of Manassas. Oh, yes. Um, he was at a number of, uh, of conflicts. The 14th Louisiana were... Uh, notorious fighters, uh, very skilled in battle. Um, they were at places like uh, Cedar Mountain, Second Manassas, First Manassas, um, Gettysburg, um, the Shenandoah campaign, and so on and so on. And Father Sheeran was at all of these conflicts. Oh, yes. So what happened at the Second Battle of Manassas? So the understanding of uh, the people in Washington um, was that the federal troops were crushing Stonewall Jackson's troops. So General Pope, for the Union side, uh, was thought to be the, the hero of the day. And so as, uh, as the battle was concluding, some dignitaries, about 80, left Washington with their wives and went out to see the, the final uh, nail driven into 
Stonewall Jackson's coffin. Well, that turned out to be fake news, complete fake news. Um, so Father Sheeran relates what happened. He says, uh, about half, half hour before dark, we heard the glad tidings of the Yankees were flying in every direction. The battle was fought and the victory won. The enemy was routed, leaving some 8,000 prisoners, or about 20 to 25,000 killed or wounded, an immense quantity of cannon and small arms, besides wagons, ambulances, etc. When our men fell back to their old positions on Friday night, Pope, imagining we were retreating, telegraphed to Washington that he had whipped Jackson and had him in a bag. On the reception of this news, some of the dignitaries of, the, of that great city repaired to Manassas, with the expectation of seeing Stonewall and his ragged Confederates. There were some 80 in number, one half of whom were ladies, ladies he has in quotation marks. This excursion party uh, was somewhat surprised when General Stewart paid them his compliments and informed them that they were his prisoners. The ladies were sent home, but the gents were reserved to grace our triumphal procession. Now, this was a common occurrence in the Civil War in battles fought around Washington, D.C. Folks from the city would go out and observe as if it were a right. sporting event. Right. So let the, let the lesson be that, you know, you shouldn't count your chickens before they're hatched. <laughs> and this could be the first example of fake news in America, right? Well, I don't know. The, know, the know-nothings had a lot of fake news, too. <laughs> okay, so... Any other stories? Yeah. Um, what does a chaplain do at Christmas time? Um, so one of the entries in the diary says uh, what Father Sheeran was up to on December 25th, uh, 1863. Uh, the morning, the weather was uh, so very cold that, it, that I did not say my first mass until daylight and then said three in succession. Having heard some intimations that the boys were about to make me a Christmas present, I took occasion to inform them that I did not stand in need of it, but if they wanted to honor our infant Savior, they might bestow their charitable gifts on his representatives, the poor orphans of the St. Joseph's Orphanage in Richmond. They acted on my suggestion and during the following week made up among themselves a very handsome donation as the following correspondence taken from the Richmond Daily Papers will show. Um, and here he addresses the Sisters of, uh, of Charity. Um, the Sisters uh, and the Children of St. Joseph's Female Orphan Asylum gratefully acknowledge the receipt of $1,206 enclosed in the following note from the esteemed chaplain of the 14th Louisiana Regiment, so the camp near Fredericksburg, to the Sisters of Charity, this is from Father Sheeran, enclosed you will find a New Year's gift from the 14th Louisiana Regiment for the orphans under your charge. This noble act of the truly gallant 14th, as well as the invincible courage displayed by them in 13 hard-fought battles, surely entitles them to a proud position among their fellow soldiers of the Southern Confederacy. Have the children pray for the success of their holy cause. So even in the heat of a bitter war, the soldiers had a heart. Sure. And this was not a small sacrifice. $1,200 could go an awfully long way back then. And you have to realize these men were, were fighting not only for um, 
uh, a patriotic cause, they thought. They were also fighting for a salary to send home to people who were bereft of uh, a laborer. He was eventually captured himself. Right. And the the details leading up to his capture um, are, are kind of banal. Uh, he was doing what every chaplain does. He was ministering to troops who were wounded. Um, these particular troops just happened to be behind enemy lines. So in order to get to his men, he went directly up to uh, the, the highest officer he could find on the Union side and asked for a pass. He identified himself properly, asked for this pass, and it was granted. So for about a month in the fall of 1864, uh, just outside of Winchester, he tended to the wounded in the hospitals. He even um, was a kind of a part-time surgeon himself. He routinely nursed um, and aided where he could. So much so that um, people around him just thought, oh, this is just uh, one of ours. Unless they engaged him in conversation about politics, you never really knew uh, which side he stood on. But uh, as a Catholic priest, he, he would minister to everyone, um, Union or Confederate, didn't matter. Eventually, um, he asked to see uh, one of the generals who was indisposed at the time. And the person that he spoke to asked to see his pass. Sheeran showed him the pass, but um, for whatever reason, the, the person got suspicious. And so put him in shackles. Uh, eventually, General Sheridan realized that uh, this man was probably a Confederate spy. Um, and so he remanded him from the hospital to Fort McHenry in Baltimore. And there, Father Sheeran took up residence in one of the horse stables. Um, there were long, uh, they're not there anymore, but there were long stables um, about 80 feet in length uh, for the horses. And Father Sheeran had the, the privileged place of being in stable number one. Wow. All through the winter of 1864. And so what was that like for him? Well, he routinely says that it, it was wearing on his health. Um, both food and exposure to the elements, uh, lack of uh, the ability to move, and plus being surrounded by some pretty coarse people, um, all made for uh, uh, something that, that really affected his, his mental status as well as his physical status. So that by the time he was released in January of 1865, he literally was crawling to the nearest Redemptress parish um, on the other side of the, uh, the harbor. Pat Hayes, thank you so much for talking to me. The title of the book is The Civil War Diary of Father James Sheeran, S-H-E-E-R-A-N. And where can you purchase a copy of this book? Well, the book is on Amazon, um, but it's also available through the Catholic University of America Press. Very good. Well, thank you again so much. You're welcome.